Hello, and welcome to this episode of the Hope Life Podcast, a podcast that allows you to hear the hearts of Hope Church pastors and leaders through real conversations about life, ministry, vision, and goals, or some of the exciting ways that God is working through their specific ministry or congregation. This is a great resource for our church family, and we're so glad that you're taking the time to listen to today's episode. Hopefully, we will all leave today's conversation more inspired to passionately follow Jesus and make Him visible as together we live the hope life. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Hope Life podcast. I'm your host, David Velasquez, and of course, I'm here today with Pastor Brian Edwards. Uh, Brian, how are you doing today? Doing fantastic. It's uh, been a great day. Uh, those two baptisms this morning were incredible. The testimonies were so powerful. And Absolutely. We didn't have to offer any coaching to either one of those young adults. Those were their words expressed in their own way. And had I known how good they were going to be, I would have done that in the replacement of my sermon. <laughs> <laughs> well, the sermon was still good. Um, oh, thank you. Jude, our, our, our baby slept through the whole thing. So, Hey, I have that effect on people. <laughs> Very good. Uh, yeah, it was, um, we had a great, great Sunday, great time at, at a kid's church, uh, and, and a kid's ministry and just, a another just gospel focused day. So really that's, that's all you can ask for really. I mean, the Lord was worshiped and lifted up and the gospel was preached. So that's really all we can ask for isn't it. Absolutely. Um, as a matter of fact, that's our reason for existing to glorify God by it advancing the news of Jesus. Absolutely. And one of the ways, that's actually a great segue, because one of the ways that uh, we advance, then I would say really the way that God has established for us to advance the news of Jesus is through church planting. Mm -hmm. And yeah. now here's the thing. We live in the South. And I mean, one of the things, Brian, is I, I, I lived in New York City for about seven years um, before we moved down to North Carolina. And one of the first things that I noticed when I moved down South is that uh, there was a church just about on every corner. I mean, where I grew up going to church, there was a church right across the street. And I just thought, and then just a mile down the road, there was another church. And so I was just thinking to myself, um, man, this is so different than when I was living up North. And it fast forward to today, I, I, I realized that you know, we don't just have churches just to have churches. We don't plant churches just to plant churches. There's a reason why uh, we multiply. And as we mentioned last podcast, and, you know, one of the things that we're going through um, a series this month, you're preaching on We Are Hope Church and what is Hope Church about and what is mm -hmm. the DNA of Ch Hope Church. And uh, part of that DNA is the DNA of church planting, being a church planting, uh, mission-minded people. And what's yes. one of the things that, that uh, we're focusing on? Before we get into that, um, I, I want to talk about the, the scriptural basis behind that, um, because, you know, some people might see a church and they say, why, why do we need another church? Don't we have enough churches? Uh, some people might say that. I'd look at them and think, no, we, we don't have enough churches. We, if anything, <laughs> we need more. As a matter of fact, you were, what was the statistic you were telling me in, in North Carolina? How many churches alone were, were going to be closing uh, this past, have closed either this past year or the year before? Oh, just in the state of North Carolina, I think it's uh, about 150 a year, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, nationally, uh, that number is actually frightening. Uh, by the way, you've never heard anybody say, don't we have enough Chick-fil-A's? Oh, Do right. we really need another Chick-fil-A? 
<laughs> so I guess that shows where our love is. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, because we can't have enough Chick-fil-A. And if we can say that about Chick-fil-A, surely we can say that. I mean, we could say that about the Lord's chicken. Surely we can say that about the Lord's house. Um, we could say even more so about, about that. Um, and so 150 a year, just in North Carolina, I mean, I mean, in North Carolina, I'm thinking the history of North Carolina as a, a, a mission-minded area. Uh, way back when, this is the, the Sandy Creek Association started there in, in uh, the Piedmont area in the Western North Carolina that expanded so much and started so many churches uh, really right. across America. I mean, what the uh, part of the heart, you would say one of the hearts of the, uh, of the Southern Baptist uh, world is in North Carolina. Billy Graham was from North Carolina. And so right. but you think about a place with such rich history and now to think 150 uh, churches closing every year. And where does Hope Church fit into that? And is Hope Church doing anything about that? So um, is that a question? That is a question. Okay, then the answer is yes, we're absolutely doing all we can. As a matter of fact, um, in North Carolina, the SBC is privileged to have some of the greatest men I've met who are deeply passionate about not only God's word, but about the mission of Jesus Christ um, and that message being advanced and that mission being advanced through the local church. Uh, these guys live, sleep, eat, and breathe the local church. By mm -hmm. the way, the local church is God's plan A and there is no plan B. Right. And so these guys definitely um, are, are so in tune with that. Well, you know, Hope Church, our model is completely different. As a matter of fact, I had a conversation with one of the North Carolina state leaders today, and he was talking about the beauty of our model. And David, it's because, you know, being brought up in the independent Baptist world, we didn't know about any church planting organizations. I'd never heard of Acts 29. Mm. I'd never heard of any of those things. And um, as a matter of fact, I had no church model books of any kind. And so when God started, you know, I guess just revealing truth to me and and expanding my my horizons through uh, the New Testament as I read through the New Testament church epistles and and God just started making me aware of things that I'd never really been aware of before. Uh, one of the things I I saw was that you know healthy churches in the Bible gave birth to other churches. And you've got to think I didn't I didn't think well I need to go to this network or I need to look to this model, or I need to pick up the simple church book, or the Bible was all I knew to turn to. And along the way, after looking into the scripture, you know, seeing what God says about churches giving birth to other churches or churches planting other churches, that's when I found out, you know, after conversations with other men, oh, you really need this book oh, you really need to get in touch with this network. You really need to understand and learn this model. And so initially I started, David, diving into a little bit of that. And then yeah. it occurred to me, why would I? God instituted the church. God, um, God has declared Jesus to be the head of the church, that there's one baptism, there's one Lord, there's one church. And Jesus Christ is the head of the global church and the gates of hell will not prevail against that global church. Right. And so why would I look to any other source other than the Bible? So I started studying scripture 
And it's through the New Testament that we have developed our model. So uh, let's 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 pause right there because that's that's really what I want to hit on. Because hope, hope family, when you're if you're listening to this here, anything that we do, we want to make sure that the Bible is our focus. You know, we we see today so many people inventing so many new programs, so many new methods. They're you know trying new avenues and uh, you know whatever the new thing is to just draw a crowd. Um, and sometimes we lose focus of, well, what does the Bible actually say? And so if, if you have the time this week, you head to the book of Acts, uh, because the book of Acts lays out just how true when the Bible says that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. We see that displayed so clearly in the book of Acts, and we see that um, put on display by uh, the apostles and their church planning efforts. As a matter of fact, uh, Paul the Paul the Apostle, before he was Paul the Apostle, uh, was Saul the sinner. And uh, really, through the life of Saul, we see the natural cycle of what should happen in the life of a believer and the life of a church. So we see Saul come to Christ, get saved. He becomes Paul. And then him and Barnabas are sent out of the church of Antioch. Antioch, of course, everybody knows, is where, where what? I'm going to quiz you here, Brian. They were called... Christians first in Antioch. Yeah, that's right. So, so they were called Christians first at Antioch. That's the the first. Let me quiz you. What oh, were they okay. called? What were they called before they were called Christians? What were they called before that? Uh, you got me. What were they called? They were called people of the way. Oh yes, that's the right. Christian community was actually just called the way. They're following this man who said he was the way. The way. Yeah. Yep. And so we see Paul and Barnabas sent out now. When we say they're sent out, uh, what does that mean? Did they, were they sent out to go get groceries? Were they sent out to uh, go pick up bagels so that they could have it for the next uh, uh, church business meeting? What were they sent out for? Uh, they were sent out, um, well, for the sake of the gospel and to advance the mission of the local church. The local church was the mission. Mm -hmm. um, a good friend of mine, James McDonald, said this. David, I wish I said this, and man— it would be so easy to want to claim this quote, but it's not mine. It's his. James McDonald said, the mission of the church is missions and the missions of, and the mission of missions is the church. Mm. Mm, that's good. Absolutely. Yeah. And so we have a church, Antioch. And they take two guys, Paul and Barnabas. The Holy Spirit has commended them. They've been sent out. And here they go traveling, preaching the gospel in Iconia and Lystra and like all these places throughout um, uh, the, the Middle East and, um, and there throughout Greece and, and that empire, the Roman Empire. And they preach the gospel. We see people get saved. We see people like um, Lydia there at Philippi, who's the first convert uh, for the church at Philippi. And they do, and they come back. They come back to Antioch to give their report. I guess they're on furlough, whatever it is, but they give their report. After a short while, though, they say, hey, you know what? Let's go and go back and visit these churches and visit these places where we've preached the gospel and see how they're doing. And so that's in Acts chapter 13. We go through Acts chapter 14 and 15. And as they go, the Bible says that they preached the gospel. They raised up elders. So they mm -hmm. found leaders. They identified key leaders. They commended these elders, so they put them to work into uh, a position where they would be in leadership and now train them so that they would uh, repeat the cycle, so that they would mm -hmm. then identify leaders, train them up, and then go and then send them out. And now here we have 
uh, the most powerful organ organism mm -hmm. in the world is the church, and it is actively working. You know, I had someone that said uh, the church is not an organization; it's an organism because it's a living, breathing thing, and we mm -hmm. see um, that it's a living, breathing thing because an old, uh, an established church. Well, the natural cycle is the cycle of life to give birth to a little baby church, and that little baby church will grow and will be nourished and uh, should grow healthy. And then eventually that church should be looking to do the same thing, go and give birth to a new baby church so they can just keep doing the same thing. And so this scriptural. And so that brings us back all the way to, I mean, this cycle continues for thousands of years. And eventually we find Hope Church somewhere in that cycle. Yeah, it's pretty beautiful to think about. Absolutely. So, so we didn't start out as many locations. I mean, we didn't just have 12 locations that just popped up out of nowhere. It started somewhere. <laughs> and so tell, tell, tell us about the, the vision. Now that you have the, the scriptural model in mind, you see Paul and Barnabas out planting churches. You see other churches giving birth to churches. How, the, how in the world did you think, well, we need to do the same thing? And, and, and how did you get traction going? Was there any opposition to that? Where did the ball get going? Okay. Uh, so first of all, when you were you know, walking through the book of Acts, you know, the church has, um, the church has been misled, especially the Western church, because the mission of the great commission is the making of disciples, the making of the disciples or the making of disciples who will then continue the mission of the great commission, which is making more disciples. Mm -hmm. And then those disciples practice the mission of the great commission, which is making, you guessed it, more disciples. Yeah, uh, that's what they were doing in the New Testament. Um, somewhere along the way, we started believing the mission is to make converts. Mm. And it's Jesus who makes converts, right? It's believers who make disciples. And somewhere along the way, we, we got into the business of making mass numbers of converts because everybody wants the results of a Billy Graham crusade. And we've been trying so much so to make converts that we failed at the work of making disciples. And uh, I just wanted to share that very quickly because when you were walking through that New Testament passage, it's just, it's just wonderful to see that they actually believed the command of Jesus, that that was their responsibility. And you see them living in submission to that as they carried out the work of God. But uh, as far as Hope Church goes, so, you know, David, initially, I just planted a church. As a matter of fact, in those days, we didn't even call it planting a church. I started a church. Right. And to say our beginning was humble would be an understatement. We had nothing. And as I was studying through the New Testament, at that point in time, we'd grown to, I'm going to guess, about a couple of hundred people. And one Sunday, after just studying the New Testament and seeing the church flourishing as a result of giving birth to, to churches in various places and seeing the gospel advanced and the volume of the gospel increased through the births of those local churches, I stood up one Sunday and I said, um, as I've been studying the New Testament, I believe there will be a day when we give birth to other churches. Hmm. 
And um, to be honest with you, when I said that, I really didn't even know what I was saying. I didn't even know what was involved in giving birth to other churches. I just knew that something that God placed in my heart. It was something that I was passionate about, that we weren't to be confined to our four walls, and we weren't just to invest in a large, incredibly beautiful facility that we invested millions of dollars in and then worshiped as if it were our accomplishment or our idol, that there has to be something greater than this. And, and the greater than this is planting churches. And early on, uh, we attempted to plant a church and it didn't go very well. Uh, the failure wasn't necessarily ours. Um, the planter wasn't the right planter. Of course, I didn't understand that at that time. And he did, you know, some unethical things that made us you know, withdrawal, which we did the right thing and we withdrew. But we we started having this conversation about the fact of we really don't have anything to plant. Like, do we have in writing who we are? Do we have in writing what we believe? Do we even have our own DNA established? For example, right now, you and Sam have Jude. Jude is a combination of your DNA. Mm -hmm. You had DNA to pass on. And that's why he'll look somewhat like you and somewhat like her. He'll have some of your mannerisms, some of her mannerisms. It's mm -hmm. as a result of the DNA that you've passed on. Right. Well, we had no DNA to pass on. And we, we came to understand that, that would be detrimental in our efforts to church plant. So David, this is the thing that people don't see behind the scenes began the most difficult work of my entire ministry life. If you hold in your hand, the hope church manual, that, that is a mass amount of information that represents a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. Uh, every bit of it is it's just it came as a result of spending mass amounts of mind numbing time trying to put into print in an understandable clear way who we were and what we wanted to accomplish and over the past several years i can honestly say that i've invested hundreds and hundreds of personal hours working on that and the reason being is because we have to know who we are before we can replicate this. And, and then by the grace of God, um, I was serving with a pastor named Randall Waller. Randall had been with me at that point in time, I guess for about seven years or so. He, um, Randall had a passion for church planting. He was Ed Stetzer approved. He had been through a lot of church planting training. And we had about 20 or so people who were driving to Danville from Halifax and just str felt strongly impressed. We're supposed to plant churches in rural communities. We've got 20 plus people driving from Halifax. Let's get them all together and plant our first church in Halifax. And that's what we did. And wow, were we ever ignorant there were so many huge mistakes and so many things that went wrong. The financial obligation of church planting is unbelievable. 
by the way, the church and the family of Hope Church should give in a greater, more sacrificial way to our church planting, because when you give to church planting, you're literally giving to the mission of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we didn't realize the financial obligations. And David planting that first church, and I, I don't know that I've ever really said this entirely to the Hope Church family, but it almost broke the back of Hope Church Danville. Mm. Uh, Ginger would actually sit in the office and write out the bills with tears dripping down her face. Wow. We had risked everything. We were a successful church. We had, we were fairly financially secure, had hundreds of people. And, you know, to be honest with you, David, had I done what I was, what I grew up seeing in other pastors, we would have just gone ahead and hit the cruise control then <laughs> and focused on our four and no more. And, and I could have had a pretty easy life, Yeah, but instead here we are, our guts wrenched, not knowing if we're going to survive through the winter, if we have a couple of snow Sundays and, and yet absolutely convinced that it was the right thing. 100% convinced that the risk was worth it, Hmm. that it was, that it was God ordained, that this was our path. It's incredibly, uh, you know, insane to say this, David, but it was an extremely comfortable discomfort, Hmm. uh, inward peace in spite of outward difficulty. Well, Uh eventually what, Oh, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, tearing up right now. Uh, so I think someone's cutting onions right now uh, in the house because it is like, that's a beautiful like church. That's just a beautiful thing. Um, you know, one of the things I, I didn't get much from, I didn't get much of a Bible education when I went to Bible college, um, oddly enough. But one thing that I did get um, was a sense of, of urgency and a sense of a pioneering spirit. Um, and, and Brian, that's something that I sense. Uh, one of the things that drew uh, me here was the the sense of a pioneering spirit to go and put our faith in God and and see if He'll just do something. And you know what? If we fail, it'll be the most glorious failure that there was because we're doing it for God. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think about I think about Noah and God charged Noah to preach preach and get people on the boat. And Noah preached for 120 years, and what did he have to show for it? It's like eight his people, it's just him and his family. That's it. No one else came on the boat. And, you know, if we're measuring things by, by numbers, um, and Noah would have been a failure. And yet, because he was faithful to the calling of God, uh, he was a success. Mm-hmm. And so I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just crying right now because it is a beautiful thing to hear uh, people who, who see a vision and are convinced that this is what we need to do. And, and the truth is, like you said, it is what we need to do. So many pastors will hit cruise control and say, well, I've, we, we, we've got our church and successful and, and uh, you know, we'll be good. Uh, but to give sacrificially and, and to give financially, I can't think of something more important that we could be doing um, more than a program, more than a, a potluck. It, it has to be, it has to be churches giving birth to other churches and planting. And uh, that's so awesome to hear that there was that core group that was driving to Halifax 
I had those 20 plus people that were driving to Danville, they are pioneers because mm-hmm. they decided to embark on something new. And I think that's, that's wonderful. Anyways, you, you continue uh, no, telling I'm, about the vision. Cause I mean, I'm man, glad I'm you just, shared. I'm blessed. Well, uh, yeah, I am also, but uh, you know, David, it was really strange because, you know, in every other, in every other business, as you grow, you, you reap financial reward. We were growing and I was being forced to take pay cuts. Mm. They were, nobody was forcing me. I, uh, I was the one who, who said, you know, I, I'm going to make less money because this is, this is worth it. And I, I wasn't making a huge salary to begin with, but Hey, we're making it fine. God's going to take care of us. Right. This mission of planting churches is more important than our comfort. And by the way, I want to give mad props to my wife because she's always been willing to work. Um, she's been a dental hygienist for all of these years. And the reason she went to dental hygiene school is because she saw how difficult it was planting Hope Church in Danville. And she said, you know, I want you to be able to live into God's calling for your life. And I want to do what I can do to help. And, and so if it hadn't been for Denise, you know, we, we wouldn't have been able to do that. We would have been yeah. in serious trouble. And so I'm so grateful for her investing her life and herself. Uh, her dental hygiene job is more than just her serving people's dental needs, but it's, it's ultimately her serving the cause of Christ. And she knows that, but we planted hope church Halifax and, and then saw, wow, this is, this is worth the sacrifice, getting the news of people being saved, um, their baptisms, seeing them, you know, organize children's ministry. And now there's children in another community who are, who are being taught in a gospel centered way. And, and, you know, seeing a church partner with parents to help kids know and love Jesus, you know, to see that happening, it was just so absolutely rewarding. But even then, David, I didn't know that there would be additional churches. You know, maybe it's just going to be Danville and Halifax, and we're going to live in fellowship together. But then there came a day when I started using this language that, as far as I know, it's unique to us, that what if there were a community of churches? What if there were a family of churches? where the pastors genuinely loved each other, Mm -hmm. where the pastors genuinely supported one another, where they were friends and they held one another accountable and they walked arm in arm. What if there were a family of churches that wanted to give the best of who they were and what they had so that all of the churches could flourish. What if there were a family of churches where there were no competition between the churches? What if there was a family of churches where we truly longed to see one another succeed because that would mean ultimately success for the kingdom of God Hmm. through our energies and efforts. And so what if there were a family of churches like that? Yeah. And I would sit down and try to have conversations with other pastors, David, and they would look at me like I was insane because I would say to them, don't you realize if this could exist, the strength of the community will be the community. Mm -hmm. The greatest reward will be the community. The gift will be the community. 
And, um, you know, I'd have guys say to me, well, Brian, you know, that, that, that sounds all well and good, but you know, you've got a great church where you are and I don't think that's going to happen. And maybe you should just thank God that you planted Hope Church Halifax, that it's doing well and growing and you don't have the money. And I heard every excuse you can possibly imagine. But then Halifax led to another church and then that led to another church. And I started seeing that community that I had dreamed about. I started experiencing living in true fellowship and community with other pastors. I saw my dad weep one night when our pastors were hanging out and spending time together. My dad, David, just broke down and started weeping. And he said, why didn't I have this? All of these years I was in ministry, and this is what I was missing. And he just started talking about the beautiful treasure that we have in this community. Well, David, I didn't know that God was going to start opening doors for us with the Southern Baptist Convention. I didn't know that, that they were going to start looking to us to be a leader among church planting churches. I never dreamed any of that. God was just allowing me to network and meet other amazing guys, men like Nathan Cravat and, uh, and then, wow, Jay Smith. And I mean, you just go right down the list. If I start calling the guys by name, they're going to be like, well, he left me out, <laughs> but just all of these guys, even, even for example, I was in Bourbon, Missouri, never dreamed I'd be there. And to be honest with you, really didn't want to be there. <laughs> and one night, me and this guy named Josh Westmoreland ended up in the kitchen having this long conversation, and he was just so real. And the one thing about me, David, you know, is I'm incredibly real, mm -hmm. and I give other people room to be real. I recognize real, and I only like real. Right. And Josh and I were having this conversation. It was just amazing. And um, I said to Denise later that night, uh, I believe I'm going to get an opportunity to work with that guy. He's Hope Church, and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. And and then meeting other guys. You know, today, David, uh, I had an SBC state leader say to me, the quality of the men that God has allowed you to bring together is astounding. Mm. He He started talking about all the guys he's met in the Hope Church family, and he said, it's incredible. This doesn't happen. And it's just, it's been, it's been the direction of my life. And God is just, I don't know that I have any gifts, but I'm real, and other people who are real identify with me, and God allows me to build relationships. And, and now here we are soon to likely be 12 to 13 locations. And this week I got a call from another city. Uh, they were actually in a meeting, a church leadership meeting. I get a phone call and I answer the phone. And the question is, is it possible for us to meet with you? We would like to become a hope church. I'm not even looking for that, but I want people in the hope church family to understand this, this is, this is my calling. Mm -hmm. 
God hasn't given me the option of playing golf three days a week and pastoring a fairly large congregation and and being at ease. That's that's not an option for me. I don't know how long I'll live. If it's another year, if it's another 10 years, if it's another 20 years, I don't know how much longer I will live, but I'll tell you this much. You can walk by my casket and I'm going to tell the funeral directors to do everything in their power to make sure there's a smile on my face (laughs) because I will leave this life knowing that I died doing what God has called me to do. And that's giving my life, my energy, my everything to the multiplication of the local church. And man, now that, that I love all of these hope church pastors so much, I can't imagine going through life without them. And now that hope church has expanded so much and our family's so large now, I mean, we're literally among the top churches in the whole nation (laughs) for the number of locations we have. Yeah all from a poor church in Danville, Virginia with an ignorant guy as the pastor who has no incredible pedigree, educational pedigree, no, no family wealth, no anything. It just shows you that when God calls you to do something, just like David, you may only have a slingshot, but the battle is the Lord's. Mm. And he has the power. Mm. And um, and that's what this is a testament to. And and I love all of these guys and seeing them get to lead the local churches that they serve. And then now they're getting more involved in the responsibility of this family, which is a beautiful thing. And they're saying to me, Brian, you can't continue to carry this on your own. Um, I'm just so grateful, David. I don't know that that truly answers your question. And I may start rambling because... I could talk about this for two hours nonstop, right. just telling this story. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think, you, you know, you said that this is the the thing that God has called you to. And I want to emphasize to to our Hope family that this is what God's called all of us to. Yes. Um, this isn't just a, a Pastor Brian thing. This isn't just, a, you know, a pa- the pastor of the, of the different Hope Church locate of the different Hope Church locations. This isn't just a, a, a them thing. This is all of us. And so Hope Family, when when you pray for the church planting, you're praying for a new location that maybe has had four or five people keeping the doors open to breathe new life into that building. You're praying for a family who just moved into whatever community that church has been planted in, who's never heard the gospel before, and now they have an opportunity to to be part of a, a gospel preaching co- uh, community, you're praying for God's work to continue and God's kingdom to advance. When you give to church planting and hope church planting, you're giving towards hope and for a community to have light, gospel light, life-changing light that does not ex- that that does not exist outside of the gospel. And I know that for um, a lot of the guys that are the Hope Church pastors, a lot of them grew up in an environment where there was a lot of show and a lot of just, you know, exterior things tacked on to uh, Christianity, a lot of traditions that were held up to the level of, of doctrine. 
And I think one of the reasons these uh, everyone gets along so so well is because they're they're tired of that and they just want Jesus and they want to focus on mm-hmm. Jesus and and you know that's that's all God wants us to do is to focus on His Son that He's uh, said so plainly that that is in Him whom He is well pleased and we are to lift Him up so that He will increase and we will decrease. And so, uh, Hope Family, this is this is the mission. There is, as I mean, I, as Brian said, there is no Plan B. Um, and I hope that listening to this might light a small fire inside of you to see God and a- to see and ask God and to say, Lord, I don't have much, but what I do have, I want to give, whether that be your prayer, your time, your, your, your finances, I want to give to see your work continue. And that, again, it's not through a program. It's not through... Uh, a, a cooperative or a coffee shop or, you know, whatever, you know, some uh, horse and pony show is through blood, sweat and tear church planting. And, uh, and that's where we're going to see a change in our communities and Jesus glorified. Amen to that. You know, uh, David, I just realized something recently. Um, I was asked to write an article for uh, the state of North Carolina and it forced me to think about church planting and church revitalization, which God has now called us to in a completely different way. You know, for ages, the church has been praying for revival. Mm. And, you know, of course, in, in our upbringing, revival is frequently mentioned. And in that circle, it's almost this mystical move of God. And, you know, if you can get a crowd of people under a tent somewhere, well, you call that revival. And, and the truth is we've, we've not really seen in our lifetime revival. Mm-mm. The word revival means to see something come back to life again, uh, something to become famous again, something to become useful again. I think I'm coming to realize, David, that the greatest potential we have to see revival is through church revitalization mm. as these churches come back to life again as as people in the community start to see that church thrive again as the message of hope starts to resound from the pulpit as the gospel is preached again in that community and impact is made and you know i i just i just thought about this the other day as i was i was pinning some of these thoughts down When Jesus rose from the dead, there were likely babies born that day. There were likely babies born the day before. There were likely babies born the day after. And we don't know the names of any of those babies. Now, procreation is extraordinary, but resurrection is supernatural. Mm. And I think with church revitalization, It gives people the opportunity to truly see resurrection through the power of God right before their eyes. Hmm. And yes, procreation is, is fantastic, but resurrection that is supernatural. And to see God now using us, man, it's the power of God, but to see God using us to resurrect churches to life again so that revival takes place. Mm. That's become 
that's just become such a great love of my heart. It's so much more work and sitting down with these, you know, church groups. Um, I guess in a sense, God's given me the gift to do that to some degree. And I'm not saying that in a bragging way, but I just love people and, and just being real talking to people and just letting them know, I guess the reality of the situation and the prayerful possibilities. I love that. Hmm. And now we're seeing God use that. So that may have been a little detour, but we won't charge any anything extra for that. No, we won't. Well, revitalization, uh, that's going to be, that'll probably have to be a topic for another day. Real quick, that's just church that was thriving at one point and, you know, might have dwindled down to me four or five people who are keeping the doors open and the lights on and uh, going in and just basically kind of doing a, a, a relaunch, a revive, uh, a resurrection, a replant, a replant of, of that um, of that church community. And, uh, but that's a topic probably for another day. Cause you know, I'm sure you can talk at length about that. Um, so I guess to end it here, what would you say, um, how would you say maybe if there's anybody else that's listening, that's outside the hope family, uh, or maybe that's in the hope family that has never really thought about church planting, but what are some ways to gear our hearts and minds, uh, toward that effort and, and to become more mission-minded and more uh, pioneering in spirit um, to see a new work start? What, what are some things to consider, to pray about, uh, maybe something to reflect on in scripture uh, that would help with that? Okay, David. Um, so the reason this family of churches started being uh, created, I guess, um, I have a deep, a deep, passion, uh, sense of urgency, a heavy burden for the Northeast, uh, the Northeastern part of our, our nation. That's where my wife's from. So yeah, I mean, okay. us, us, us too, we have a, we have a burden for, for the North and then, and the Northwest, just, you know, the, a lot of these places that are quote unquote un, unchurched. Well, right now, you know, the Northeast corridor, I think about 30 some percent of the nation's population lives in the Northeast East corridor. Mm. And even including the Catholic Church, only about 1% or so attend church at all. Wow. And that's frightening. And we're all, you know, giving to this central fund with the hope that God's going to start opening up doors for us to advance the gospel in the Northeast where it's so desperately needed because none of us could do that individually, but we can do that together. Mm. Um, I would say this right now. We really need the Hope family as a whole, which now represents, wow, um, you know, more than a couple thousand people between 2,000, 2,500 or so people now who, who are part of the Hope Church family. Mm -hmm. We really need them to start caring about these other church plants. You don't have to go to Africa to go on a missions trip. You don't have to go to... Um, the Middle East, or you don't have to go to the Caribbean or, you know, to Belize or to a, a, another um, Guatemala or, you know, just name, name the place. Sure. Mm -hmm. You don't have to go there to go on a missions trip. You can, you can go on a missions trip and serve alongside of one of the other Hope Church locations. Uh, the buildings, some of them need paint. Uh, we, we have, a parsonage right now that needs to be fixed up so that the pastor and his family can get moved in. Um, 
There's work to be done there. We need people who are willing to go and and maybe put on a, a great block party or a VBS in a local community so that people will be on that church property again, just so they can interact with believers in that place. Mm-hmm. We need people who really start praying for and encouraging our church planters. I really wish, David, and maybe God will give you the avenue to do this, but I really wish all of our church planters received a steady flow of cards from the entire Hope Church family, just encouraging them to keep the faith. Because I don't know if you've heard the latest news, but right now so many pastors are leaving the ministry that they're now calling it church leaders across the nation. It's now being called the mass exodus. Mm -hmm. And the number one reason they leave is loneliness. Well, we have this community with one another, so we don't have to worry about that. But the second reason is just discouragement. Most pastors feel almost weekly, if not daily, like failures. And, you know, we're seeing so many pastors just just give up because they just lose heart. And I really wish our Hope Church family would take on the work of encouraging them. My scripture for this, because you asked for a biblical reflection, would believe would be, I believe it's Galatians 6 1. If it's not 6 1, it's I think it's nearby. Bear one another's burdens hmm. and so fulfill the law of Christ. You cannot fulfill the law of Jesus Christ unless you are up under the weight of somebody else's burden with them and for them. And this work of church planting is an incredibly heavy burden. David, I've sacrificed so much time at this point with my family, and I love my family. God's given me such a great family. Um, it's an extra added burden on our church staff because, you know, I'm gone on occasion, and they've done such an extraordinary job. So there's a lot of people are sacrificing. And, and, you know, a few weeks ago, this might sound silly, David, but, uh, I didn't realize that Denise had planned a night out to eat with our whole family, Blake, Kelsey, Sydney, Marley, Denise, myself, we were all supposed to go out and eat that night. Well, somehow I got my dates mixed up and, um, uh, wow, this is a little hard to tell. Um, I had a meeting with one of these churches that needed to be revitalized and I couldn't, I couldn't cancel that meeting. It was too important. We were at the point when those meetings were critical. And so that night on my way to that, that, that local church, you know, Denise called me and they were all going to the restaurant and I could hear them laughing in the car. And they went and shared a meal together. They had conversations together. They had a great night together. And after that meeting on the way home, David, the full weight of that hit me. And I just started bawling like a baby. And, uh, you know, Hope Church, you might think this sounds silly, but it's just where I was in that moment. I looked up, I looked out the windshield and I looked up into the sky. And as best as I could, I was trying to imagine 
I'm looking at God. And with tears flowing down my face, I mean, literally crying like a baby. I said, I just want you to know, I wouldn't do this for anybody else. Mm. I wouldn't do this for anybody else, for anything in the world. This is for you. It's a heavy burden, but I'm not the only one carrying it. Mm. And so I do pray that we will take, as a family, bearing one another's burdens more seriously and that we would seek to become encouragement, an encouragement not only through our efforts and energy and that we serve the other churches, but that we would also be a people of prayer that God will continue to advance this work called Hope Church that's making an incredible impact at a time when churches are dying all over America, God is seeing fit to allow us to flourish. And I am so grateful. Uh, might have to tell this story another day, but to quote the, the two Moravian missionaries who sold themselves into slavery so that they could see people come to Christ. Worthy is the lamb who was slain and were sent off so that he may receive the reward for his suffering. Mm. And that's what it's all about, Hope. It's uh, that Christ may receive the reward for his suffering. And his reward are those who hear the gospel and believe on his name. Um, and that's done through these uh, church planning efforts, nothing else. So I think that's a, I mean, this is a great conversation, Brian. I could probably talk about this for about another hour or two, but I think the, the listeners probably have uh, uh, <laughs> either... They're probably either arriving at work or they're uh, whatever it is that you do in your podcast time. Uh, they just finished the their time on the treadmill. Exactly, exactly. So, um, with that being said, uh, let's go ahead. We'll we'll close in a uh, in a word of prayer and uh, ask God to continue to bless the uh, church planning effort. Lord, uh, we are humbled by your grace, and we are humbled uh, by the fact that you sacrificed everything, literally laid your life down uh, so that new life might be breathed uh, into us. And so, God, we ask that you would help us as a, a Hope Church family, um, this one church in many locations, to help us uh, sacrifice um, that we might see new life breathed uh, into other communities. We pray for uh, the vision to expand into the Northeast um, and other places, God. We pray for our existing Hope Church pastors, that they would be encouraged tonight to know that uh, they are loved, and uh, Lord, help us to do more to encourage them. Uh, there's nothing else, no no greater work, uh, no greater effort um, than we have in our lives than to, to serve you and to honor you, Lord. And may we do that till our dying breath. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, David. All right. Hope Church family, hope you enjoyed this conversation. We look forward to uh, hanging out with you guys again next week. So Brian, you have yourself a good night. Thank you so much.